Is this the dagger? Illegal substitution, too many men on the field, Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block and the sideline. He has not stepped out, he may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up, what a move, shoots, scores! Hey everybody, welcome to The Outsiders, powered by the Macintosh Group at Remax River City. I'm Bryn Griffiths. He's Robin Brownlee. The guy with the cold is Craig McTavish. How you doing today? Yeah. Are you okay? I apologize in advance for my cold. No, that's fine. Not a problem. Hey, before we get started here, there's something I gotta play here. Yeah, just a little La Bamba to get things rolling here this morning. Play La Bamba, baby. Yeah. Hey, you know, somebody asked me that, and I, I don't, I didn't think we'd even have to say this, but the reason the La Bamba thing, it, it's all Joey Moss. I mean, we've been at events where Joey loved to sing that song, right? You got to remember a few Christmas parties where that was like the highlight of the Christmas party, was it not? You don't know the genesis of that whole song and Joey Moss and the Edmonton Oilers, Brent? Is there, does it even go back further than him just getting up and singing at parties? No, we always, uh, when, whenever uh, Sparky had a, Sparky would have a vote and sing La Bamba once in a while in, in the dressing room. Right. So it became a, a, a bit of a uh, tradition that once the Oiler hockey team was made, coming out of training camp, the final cuts were done, the roster was finalized, everybody would sit in there, and Joey would come into the middle of the room. Sparky had... Uh, get the music going and Joey would sing La Bamba and it was, you know, it was priceless to see the look on some of the new guys faces as Joey came in. And I mean, he was a theatrical master as you know, and could work the room and he, he, he never, he never saw a mic that he didn't love. And uh, it was, it was a real nice fitting end to Oilers training camps over the years where Joey would sing La Bamba. Well, and the other thing about it, too, was that you're right about the shock look on the, the newcomer's faces. The rest of us just loved it. It was so much fun because he was having so much fun doing it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the anthem, the way he used to belt that out, everybody used to see that. But, yeah, he was a, an amazing, uh, a, amazing man. You know, uh, what's cool about that, Mac, at least from an outsider's point of view, is uh, there's sort of a link there. I mean, when we, when they play that song after wins now, or you have, uh, you know, little Ben Stelter, uh, the, the five-year-old saying, play La Bamba, baby. Uh, yeah. There's a, there's a, a real, uh, there's a link there without it being too heavy, always looking back at the great Oiler teams. Uh, it's just a nice tie to when things were good and this team was uh, winning Stanley Cups and in the playoffs as, as they are now, right? For sure. He, he uh, I mean, it, it's just, it really was insightful at, uh, the way Joey morphed and his role morphed with the Oilers was really insightful of other interactions the Oilers had uh, internally. 
And uh, he, he was, you know, right, right from the start. I wasn't there when he initially came. Uh, I came in 85 and Joey was pretty firmly entrenched then. But just the way the Oilers, and still I imagine today, interact in the, the inclusiveness of the hockey club and the organization. I got to ask you, because you are a survivor of uh, numerous battles of Alberta, I was very excited to watch the Game 7 on Saturday night and just as excited to watch the Game 7 out of Calgary on Sunday night because we all know what we're in for here, but trying to tell the younger generation who maybe weren't even born during the last one in 91 what they're about to go through over the next two weeks. It's uh, You can tell the stories all you want. You can show it on YouTube all you want, but... You tell them exactly what you think we're going to go through here over these next couple of weeks. It's going to be, it's it's really, it's not a lot of sleep, not a lot of comfortable sleep going to be had here over the next 14 days. Well, it, that was a different era too, right? The, the game was, uh, I think, much more violent than it is now. And there's no question there was a challenge to everybody's manhood to step up and fight to your weight category. But it just, you never, you never passed up an opportunity to finish the check. And it was a violent form of hockey. I expect it to be pretty physical too. I think, uh, you know, a real physical, hard-nosed brand of hockey, I would say, favors Calgary slightly. I think they're built more for that style of hockey. So, I don't think we can go down the path of trying to um, out-physical them. I mean, you don't want to pass up your checks. You don't want, you want to finish all your checks. I thought Connor, I mean, he was amazing. The step that he made from previous playoffs to this year, that there was always something you couldn't really get your, your uh, head around that was missing. There was something right. tangibly missing, and uh, he, he, there's not anymore, that's for sure. And it's, it's, to me, it's learning how to win and the intense price that superstars have to pay to win at this level. And, I mean, obviously, we've seen it over the years firsthand. Uh, Mess was a great example of the commitment that you need you know, from a from a preparedness and nutritional standpoint and sacrifice your time and commitment physically. And uh, Connor's, Connor's definitely got that and, and ran with it. There's no question about that, that he's, he's, he's always been a good leader, but now he, I would say the way that he's playing is, is uh, he's an inspirational guy for sure for everybody in that locker room as well as everybody in the crowd. Mac, the, the stories are, have been out there since the, the, the series started. You you weren't there for the first couple, uh, and then you came 85, 86, and you were in that 86 one. Um, the reality, and you touched on it, the hockey we see now won't be, it can't be like it was then. The rules don't allow for it. The game doesn't allow for it. So what form does that real bitter rivalry and that intensity take now with this group of players, Dreisaitl and McDavid, uh, Goudreau and Kachuk, and then the the lineups around them? What's it going to look like, do you think? 
I think a lot of confrontation at the net front. I, I think that's going to be, it always is a critical area to protect, but they're, they're going to storm the net front of, uh, in front of uh, Mike for sure. And uh, they have some of the, the better net front guys in the league. I mean, maybe the best guy is, uh, you know, Matthew to Chuck yeah. and he, he's, how are we going to handle him at the net front? I mean, he's a tough guy to box out, but I think that's going to be important that we try and prevent him from getting there. When he does get there, you know, you almost have to leave him there in that front, I believe, and especially if he's tight to Mike. I think there's going to be, uh, you know, we got to move the puck quick before Milan gets in on the four check and is allowed to, you know, finish his checks because he, he's a tremendously powerful guy that can do a lot of damage if we're not moving the puck quickly and uh, getting it moved in the other direction. Uh, I mean, Zadaroff is a big hitter. Good Branson's a big hitter. So, I mean, it, it's going to be a physical series. There's no question about it. We, everybody's kind of got a little bit of a different take on things. And it's one of the things that I've been dwelling on over the last couple of years, and that is, the, the big guys are going to be there for both teams. The bottom six forwards, I think, is where the battle is going to have to come down. And also net minding. Do you think I'm out to lunch on that? Do you think it's you got to show your depth and that's no, going to carry you through? I think, I think you're slightly out to lunch. Yes, okay. Uh, <laughs> I mean, in general. If, it, if, it's a, if it's a bottom six battle, we're, we're not going to win it. Okay. I think, uh, I think they're, they're, they're deeper. Uh, our top end stuff is 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 uh, higher. Uh, goaltending, you're bang on. The, the goaltending is going to be huge. I thought the goaltending was a, a wash in the first series, and I think that's good. If we can say that after series two, that'll be that'll be good because Jacob Markstrom. I mean, he's had an unbelievable season. He's tough, <laughs> but. I, I think it, our, our success is going to be driven by our ability to score and win the special team battle, uh, the, the McDavid dry sidle factor. How banged up is Leon? How quickly can he recover? I mean, amazing, uh, amazing guts from Leon to play the way that he did 22 minutes that last game. You could tell immediately that he didn't have separation speed. Yeah. and wasn't able to torque the ankle or, or the injury as, as much as he normally does. I mean, Leon, he, he can fly. You remember the first goal in game three where Kempe tried to chase him down, and it was a two-on-one with Connor, and Kempe was right on Leon's tail and couldn't catch him. Yeah. And Kempe, I mean, he's, he's maybe the second fastest guy in the league next to Connor. So Leon, you know, he didn't have that, uh, that arrow in the quiver. And, uh, you know, that, that's uh, hopefully those things are hard, hard to fix too. They take a long time to heal. So that's going to be, be a big part of it. Obviously he was banged up in game six and he still made a terrific play to Barry for the winning goal, but that's going to be huge too as well. Now, 
different era, but some things don't change. It's going to take what 30 seconds before the flames uh, f- try and finish on him and see exactly where he's at physically. Yeah. They're really going to target the stars. Uh, Connor is going to be targeted intensely every chance they get. He's going to have to, and he does have, you know, elite awareness and he's going to need that because he's going to have to keep himself healthy and they're going to come after him. Leon's a little bit different animal. He's tougher to get because he is so strong himself. Uh, so, but they're definitely, I think more so than any other matchup we could have, these guys will definitely physically target our stars and refereeing as it always is, is going to be important. And, uh, you know, hopefully they're instructed to, you know, allow a physical game, but you don't want to, you don't want to allow liberties, the flames to take liberties with Connor. Hey, and uh, they're, they're going to go to the net hard. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're going to, they're going to go after Mike. It's, 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 uh, you know, officiating how this series is officiated will, will be very, very important. Because of your coaching experience, you can maybe tell me how you would have viewed it. The way they called the game in Calgary in game seven, there was a penalty to uh, Tyler Sagan in overtime that was without question hooking. However, what they had let go through the better part of that game seven where it was all on the line, I was surprised that they actually called that in overtime. If you were coaching, that that would have to drive you crazy, I would have to think, something like that. Well, I mean, it, it was a pretty flagrant. Oh, hook. yeah. Yeah, and it was. You, you, I, I don't know that uh, Rick Boness would have too much of a problem with, with the call, but, uh, you know, he, he may or may not have issue with some of the things that weren't called earlier. And, you know, I'm, I've always been of the mindset that, the referees, you know, are, are somewhat responsible, less so in today's era, of, of managing the game and, and letting the players decide the outcome of the game without getting the game uh, over-officiated. And, uh, you know, as you know, there's, there's a league representative uh, charged in every series. So what happens is that league representative will go into each coach's room. And then that gives uh, Jay and Daryl the opportunity to verbalize what their concerns are in the series, ask them about liberties. I mean, I'm sure that's a big topic discussion topic for the, uh, for the uh, series manager and, and the coaches uh, in both rooms, and uh, you try and just plant the seed. So they're going to go back. They're going to communicate to the officials, and uh, you know, physical. There's a fine line between hard-nosed physical hockey and uh, dirty hockey, and uh, they've they've got to walk that line really well. Mac, uh, the goaltending is always a, a factor. It's a, it's a cliche. But in Edmonton's case, I'm, I wonder about it in these terms. Mike Smith is, is a very uh, fiery guy. Uh, 
if you're if you're smart and you're wearing a red jersey, do you try and see if you can get under his skin early in a game? For sure, you you have to. And from what I saw in the last series, that's you're not going to get under his skin. He's he's too driven. He's too focused right now. He he's not, I, I'd be really surprised if you can get under his skin. I mean, he's going to do things intelligently. He's going to manage the theatrics of the movement after he's been hit to play to the uh, play to the referees. But I think based on what I saw, it's, it's all going to be calculated to me. He looks like a guy that's firmly in control of his emotions. And uh, as for Mike Smith, I mean, amazing the way that guy's played the last little while. And for me being a fan I don't care how he plays from this point forward. That guy has my respect. And, uh, I mean, just phenomenal goaltending and battling and competing. And I mean, whatever happens from this point forward, I think he's going to continue to play well, even if he doesn't, that guy has certainly earned my respect and the respect of the Oilers fans who, who have been unbelievable in all of this. Got to ask you, because when you came into the situation here in the mid-80s and you'd been hearing about the Battle of Alberta, and I've been fascinated by the fact that players have been asked, and a lot of these guys, they've heard about it. Most of them weren't even born then. But I guess the, the real question of the day is, you've heard about it, but do you really understand it until you just jump right into it? How long is it going to take these guys to figure out that this is not just a regular Edmonton-Calgary regular season game? Yeah, and those are pretty physical too as well. I think, you know, everybody's got to step up. We talked about the price Connors paying for success. And, you know, how it's cliche, but it's how bad do you want it and what are you willing to do to get it? And how much more do you have left in terms of competitiveness and battle and courage? um to, to to get it done and you know you've you've got to you've 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 got to challenge the tough areas you've got to compete hard on box otherwise you know you're not going to win the price to win this series is going to be high and uh i mean i know for sure we have a number of guys that are going to pay that price not not notwithstanding connor but i mean Evander Kane too. He 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 goes into the respect earned category that Mike Smith has for me. That guy's been he's a way better hockey player than I thought he was. Like yeah. I knew he was physical, I knew he was but I had no idea that he had the type of intellect that he's shown. And he rarely makes a mistake with the puck. And I mean I I didn't I had him at one world championship when he was really young, but I, I really have a lot of respect for his acumen and intelligence as a hockey player. And uh, he's, he's proven a lot. He's definitely earned my respect. Uh, and same with Zach Hyman. I mean, I, I love watching that guy play because you're laying, he's laying it on the line every night, every shift. And uh, that's, I mean, that, that type of commitment is infectious with everybody else. And it's a great visual example of uh, what 
what hard work and tenacity does in terms of results. I always say, you know, the productivity is all, always in the last three or 4% of effort. And uh, that's going to be really true in this series. You know, you, you mentioned both of them, Mac, uh, you know, I looked at Evander Kane and, you know, as far as on the ice stuff goes, I always thought he's a pretty good player like you. I didn't realize how, how good he is to me. He brings that element. They didn't have a guy with, elite skill or elite or close to it skill plus edge. Uh, that's a rare combination. And the other one is, is Hyman in that he's a little bit like Ryan Smith in that he's stubborn, not that he's going to stand in front of the net and let you beat the crap out of him. And he's not going to go anywhere, but Zach Hyman He's not a great skater. He's sort of awkward in some ways, but he goes where the traffic is. He goes where the puck is, and that's where the success is, and you just can't back him off. Oh, totally. I couldn't agree more. But he is – he's not a beautiful-looking skater, but he's a very functional skater. Like, yeah. he can beat you with speed. If he gets, if he gets a, a, an inch on you or a foot – trying to make turn that corner on the defenseman, he can take it to the net. And, uh, I mean, a great ad. Those guys are so valuable. Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially in a series like this for Evander Kane because it's, it's right up his alley in, in terms of he, he's going to – he's an intimidating guy to play against. And uh, we need that. You touched on it. Quickly, I, I want to go and revisit it, and that is Connor McDavid's effort in Game 7. It was about the midway point. I started to sense they're not going to lose this game because the captain is not going to allow it. So that immediately made me reflect back to a game that we were both at. You were on the ice, and I was up in the crazy press area at the Chicago Stadium in Game 6, and we watched Mark Messier do that. And we knew at the Chicago Stadium there was no way the captain was going to let that team lose that game. It's, I just, to me, the parallels were immense. I think that was game four, wasn't it? Was it game four? I it don't know. Oh, yeah, it was, it was game four. Yeah. We went back to see them win it in six to move on to Boston. You're right. It was game four. But right. you could feel that, the crowd at the Chicago Stadium went, we're not going to beat this guy. Yeah. No, that was maybe the most single, the single most dominating performance I've ever seen. And that guy, he, he knew what was at stake. We were just coming back from Winnipeg being down 3-1. We could not go down 3-1 again. And uh, Mark, he wanted to win. <laughs> yeah. And he just terrorized Dennis Savard and Doug Wilson. Like, when he came down that wing, I mean, he had an intensity uh, in his face and in his movement that, I mean, yes. Doug was thinking, okay, I think I'll just let him take this to the net. And he had the hat trick that game. And Connor, I mean, he really set the tone last game when he ran over Jersey. Yeah. And that, that was, I mean, if you're on the bench and you see, and that's what big game players do. What are big game players? Well, they do things they don't inherently do on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, but they do these things out of need and necessity. And that's what I call a big game player, somebody that's going to add 
something to their game that you don't, you don't see on a day-to-day basis. And uh, David's definitely done that. That guy has been amazing. Is there, uh, is there an area of the game that you see one team having the most substantial edge in the series they're they're different but they're close in a lot of areas but is there one area you look at and go hmm advantage flames or advantage oilers yeah i'd say net front advantage flames right now okay um i mean kane and hyman certainly add to our our ability there Special teams, power play, advantage Oilers. Um, D-zone coverage. Calgary is a really good defensive team. I'm encouraged based on what I saw in Game 7 from the Oilers. They played flawlessly. Almost a perfect game, I would say, from a coaching standpoint. They I mean, I, they, they didn't break down. They didn't make mistakes and defended very well. Gaps were good. I mean, gaps will be important. It's, uh, you know, you, you, have to, you have to be aggressive confronting Calgary's rush. And if you get backed off because you're afraid to get beat up there, it's like carbon monoxide poisoning, right? It's, it's lethal, but it's, it's, it's not obvious, Yeah. but when you're backing in, it's going to get you. I mean, our guys were really well gapped in the last game and, you know, you got to protect the lines. And if we can, we can do that. We can, uh, we, we can definitely win this series. Before we let you go and get rid of your cold here. Uh, I want to just take you back a little bit here. Are there any memories specifically Battle of Alberta? Do you remember, what do you remember about your very first one? And what is there one memory from all those battles? The three, I believe you're in three of them, right? As a player. So the, the question is what stands out for you looking back a little bit? Is there one or two particular stories that you can pass along? Well, <clears throat> I mean, just, just really the obvious ones, the, uh, you know, the, the flurry overtime goal, game six, uh, Tekanen's game, game seven. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mike Buller getting carted off after Marty McSorley speared him. <laughs> uh, forgot about that one. Yeah. <laughs> Gets that, that was, we all questioned that. Yes. But uh, Marty never did. Marty never did. I don't think he ever, ever took full responsibility for that one. That's okay. Or anything else that he did uh, (laughs) negatively. Yeah, it is. But uh, no, it's, uh, I I just remember it, you know, we we were the center of the hockey universe back then. And uh, those those series regrettably happened early in the playoffs. They could have been, you know, Everybody would tell you, or not everybody, but most hockey people would say that was, uh, you know, the, the best series because of how intensely it's been competed. But uh, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was a lot of uh, 
I, I don't want to say fun, but uh, in hindsight, it was it was a lot of fun to to be a part of it for sure. And uh, you know, the fans are going to play a big part of it. A- amazing uh, turnout at Ice District and the passion and. I mean, our players, our current players, have not seen this level of adulation from our fans. And that this is what hockey in Edmonton is all about right now. And unfortunately, our this group has not experienced it enough. And they kind of, because you don't really get the city till you get in this type of environment. And then you get it. The weather starts to get good. The fans come out, the passion of the Oiler fans and incredible entertainment. Like you sitting in that, that, that every one of those games was uh, just world-class entertainment to be a part of. And I can tell you firsthand, it's a lot more fun to be a fan at the game than be a player or a coach. <laughs> and uh, really, really, uh, really enjoyed watching the evolution of our team. And uh, it's, it's great for them. It's great for the stars to, to finally get what the city of Edmonton is all about and uh, just how, how appreciated they are from the overall fan base. I mean, I, I, the media has always been very difficult in this city and there's no place to hide here. And everybody's worried that that type of suffocation, uh, scrutiny will, you know, ultimately be a factor in determining where these guys are going to continue their careers. And so it's so good for those guys and everybody really to see and get what the city of Edmonton is all about. Last one for me, Mac T is this, um, You've played, you've coached, you've been a GM, and that's why I asked this question. Um, Jay Woodcroft, all the experience as a National Hockey League head coach is on the other bench uh, with Daryl. Um, what has Jay done? Or, I mean, the players play the game. I get that. He can't go out and play for them. But what's different with Jay? What's made him so successful to this point and and what do you see when you look at Jay Woodcroft as a coach? I see a guy that came in here with a very clear plan and Jay is a very bright guy and he would have seen and been watching the Oilers certainly the last month of the season before they made the coaching change so he would have had a real clear plan on what he could add to this group And I think he's focused in on a couple very critical areas and uh, asked the players for their, their buy-in in those areas. He's not flock shooting with a bunch of widespread philosophical, strategical, tactical changes. He's focused in on being more aggressive on the forecheck, being more disciplined with, with a higher a player to support the defense so they can gap up in the neutral zone and uh, tracking back, which is, you know, a hallmark of your work ethic of your team is your ability to, 
to work both sides of the puck and you come back at the same speed, you go up the ice. And that definitely didn't happen before. We were a team that would be have all three forwards chasing the play back into our zone and through the neutral zone. And we've got more guys above the puck. And, uh, you know, we're trying to play more, more aggressive in, uh, in the D zone on our one-on-one battles. And I think that, that's made a world of difference. And uh, to me, that's what he focused on when he got here. He stayed on that message. He, he's, I think he really, when you listen to him, he really reads the game and sees the game well. So he hits, he's got great perspective on what happened and what needs to be done to fix it. And I think he's really good at communicating that to the team. And they've, they've, uh, they're inspired coming out of the gate. There's a good balance of days off and practice and all that stuff is really critical in the playoffs. And I mean, he's prepared his whole career for this opportunity and he's ready for it. He seems so under control, but the question that I have to ask you is, does he have the ability to just snap and pull a tongue out of a mascot? (laughs) Well, that's, that's elite level coaching, you know, like, (laughs) so that's elite level coaching. So I'll tell you in in closing, I'll tell you a funny story. Okay. When I, when I was, uh, selling the 50-50 tickets for the Oilers the one day. They asked because they were they needed some alumni support for uh, Indigenous youth right. sports programs. So my daughter and I, we decided we'd, we'd go for it. So during the course of that night, this guy comes up to me and he says, I'm, I'm Harvey the Hound. I was Harvey the Hound when you pulled the tongue out of, uh, uh, out of me. Seriously? And, uh, yeah, at, at the Oiler game. And I said, Come on. He said, and he goes, no, I, I was. Believe me, I know. I got fired that night. <laughs> they fired Harvey the Hound the wow. night after his most his most spectacular moment. But uh <laughs> It, it was uh, it was it was pretty funny. There's to, there's to, two things I got to I have to ask though. Yeah. Did Harvey actually say anything to you, or did you just get into your zone? And then the other thing that I'm still entertained by when I watch that isn't so much you and Harvey. It's watching Billy Moore's down the bench, and Billy looks at you two and has this kind of impish smile. It's like he's got a level of satisfaction that he was just so happy he saw that. It still makes me laugh to this day, and yeah. I, remember, I, I don't. I don't know how you view it, but it, I mean, it's going to be around forever. You got to know that. It, it never gets old. Like everywhere you go, it's. We went to Red Deer, and I had to get pictures taken with Harvey. And oh, great! It, it just never gets old. But uh, no, he never said anything, and uh, I mean, he really was taunting our bench, oh, and. Yeah. We, down in the game by two or three at the time we came back and almost tied the game. <laughs> Excuse me. That's but okay. He, uh, he, uh, he, once you <laughs> enter into the bench area, yeah. which he did, he got his fingers on the glass. My thought was he's fair game when, when that happens. <laughs> so I- oh man. Hey, listen, uh, 
Thanks for your time today. We don't get you on enough. Uh, that was not uh, from Canada. Grabbing a stick, and I was just going to wrap his knuckles with it, which would have been really stupid. Yeah. But uh, Kenny Lowe, you know, talk, you know, strange twist of events where he's the voice of reason. Yeah. In all of this, because he is the wildest of the wild and uh, has the hottest temper, the low temper. And he was the voice of reason in, in that wow. moment. And wouldn't let me wrap his wrap his knuckle. No, Mac, you're not. No. But <laughs> did did the league ever phone you or say anything about it? No. Oh, and then wait. one game, I went to uh, Calgary to watch the game, and I ran into Ken King. Right. He goes, "Oh, Mac, I'll pay you ten grand right now to walk around the concourse with Harvey the Hound, the late." Great Ken King. Yeah, master showman, great guy. Loved him. Master showman, yeah. Hey, uh, it was very funny. Thanks for your time. Get rid of that cold, and thanks, really. Uh, you want to talk about playing hurt. You did it today. Thanks for it's this. It's only uh, day eight of this cold, so. Okay. Yeah. Well, hang in there and uh, enjoy this uh, series because it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, you too, guys. Always a pleasure. Uh, Thanks, Mark. Even, even talking to Robin is is. Helpful. I know it's yeah, hey, fantastic. That's two, that's two shots now. I got to ask him about that. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, special bonus coverage on this Battle of Alberta thing. So we figured, you know, who are we going to talk to? This guy wrote a book on the Battle of Alberta. Mark Spector joins us. How you doing? Pretty good, boys. What's going on? Well, we we have something we haven't had in a very very long time. It's funny, just walking through downtown Edmonton today, there's a bit of a jump. I can feel a little energy source going. And I was excited watching the Oilers win Game 7, and I was just as excited watching the Calgary Flames win a very exciting game in Game 7 as well, although they pushed it a little closer to the edge. But uh, here we go. Yeah, it's – I mean, it's, it's fun to be in a town that has a second-round playoff series. Let's start there, yeah. right? You know, for many years, how many years has it been where, oh, my God, if you made the playoffs, that was the the prize. And who, you know, you never won a round. <laughs> so, A, it does. I don't care when you're in Edmonton or in Calgary. I don't think anyone cares who you're playing more than they care that you're playing. Uh, but this is just a bonus, you know, getting the Flames and Oilers playing each other. I mean, it's been since 91. We know that. Um you know, they're both pretty good teams now, much better than they were. These are two teams that someone's coming out of here and is going to put a dent in Colorado. Whether they'll beat them, I'm not sure. But the level of hockey will be high. They got their stars. Evan has got their stars. There should be some shenanigans. Man, let's get after it, boys. Now, what I like about this spec, uh, and you would have come across this writing the book, for so many people out there, look, 31 years ago, so if you're not, a lot of people weren't even born. Uh, it's a whole yeah. new generation of hockey fans. Uh, if you weren't close to 40, you probably wouldn't even remember seeing it. Uh, if you're five, maybe. I don't think so, though. So this brings a whole new generation of hockey fans. Instead of the, oh, Battle of Alberta, Battle of Alberta, eye roll, like you say. And how many years have both teams been crap? What kind of Battle of Alberta is that? This brings it right here right now yeah well you're you've been in the business a long time and and those of us who write hockey have spent a lot of time propping this rivalry up frankly right yeah, yeah. we've written a lot of battle of alberta and asked a lot of battle of alberta questions to guys who 
or in the back of their mind are thinking, dude, neither of us are making the playoffs this year. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's not only been 30 years without a battle, it's been 30 years without very good teams, to be honest yeah. with you. So the fun part is you have good teams. The extra fun part is they're playing each other. I'm not going to be the guy that the old salty sports writer who says, I was better back in my day. I'm going to say this. It's not ever going to be that violent again, right? right? Those of you who've never seen the Battle of Alberta, they won't need as many stretchers today as they did back then. I'm here to tell you. But <laughs> you know what? It'll, in its own way, right? There, This thing will make a stamp. This, this series will leave a little stamp in your hockey soul here. One, I don't know how it's going to happen, but something's going to happen in this series that you're never going to forget. Just makes me exciting, excited just to think about that. And the other thing, too, is that it, the energy source from off the ice is going to be hyper-intensive. We've talked to players a lot about the, this Battle of Alberta thing, and they, their only measuring stick is during the regular season, but we've seen it. And we've seen what the city goes through and what Calgary goes through when you get to the the playoffs. I just think it's going to get elevated so much, and there's so much great talent out there. It's going to be a little different series, but you're right. It's it's, it's going to be special. And you need someone in a black hat in this yeah. series, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's we we introduce you to Matt Kachuk now. Correct. Uh, yeah. You know, you hope that he was really quiet against Dallas. Like he had a couple scraps, but. He didn't get much done in the series. And and I hope that he's not above mucking it up and doing what he does because he has become really in the modern battle, the star, straw that stirs this thing. Uh, once he gets going, now Cassian enters the fray. Now this happens. Now, you know, let's go. We end up with a goalie fight at the end of the line. So yeah. uh, you need a couple black hats. The orders aren't rich in guys that had that stand over a goalie and have an extra poke in there. The orders don't have a lot of those guys. Calgary's got a couple, uh, but you know what? You get out of character when you, I remember talking to McTavish for my book, Craig McTavish. And the one thing he said was one of the things he said was, you know, during the regular season, we all had the things we did and some guys didn't have to fight and other guys didn't weren't expected to score. And you know, other guys didn't throw a lot of hits and that was okay. In the Battle of Alberta, you had to go out of character. And if a fight came your way, you had to take it. And we needed a goal from someone we never heard of. And everybody hit. So, you know, you might think you know your team. And then you watch them play in the Battle of Alberta. And then you really get to know your team. Yeah. Well, you know, we're not going to have uh, Hunter and Semenko punching each other until they're blowing snot bubbles. Um, but... I want to see what Connor McDavid saying. Oh yeah. Watch this. And Matt Kachuk saying, Oh no, nah, here I come now. And the guys who step into those roles, Johnny Goudreau. Well, let's see what I can do here. It in every way, there's somebody who, who can play a role in this series and it can be, I mean, it, it's a new start. We, we can, we can put the, Battle of Alberta, the old one, it's in your book. It's in the history books. Let's start something new now. And this is a starting spot or can be, I think. Yeah, no, and it's a, a, exactly right. Don't the mistake you make is, is expecting to go to the rink and see Marty McSorley spear, spear Mike Bullard in the nuts again, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that ain't happening, folks. Yeah. Uh, but you're, you're right. And you know, there's 
there's like I love that big pairing in in Calgary with Zadorov and Good Branson. They're an awesome third pair, big, yeah. tough, strong. So you know what? Are they going to get the better of the Oilers' skill forwards, or are those guys going to skate right around them? Like, let's find that out. I want to yeah. know. You know uh, what? Connor McDavid is going to be the best player on the ice in a few of these games because that's just what he does. But they got a line of three guys that scored forty goals each down there. Uh, is that line, you know, maybe a, a line of three guys scoring 40 apiece is better than, than whatever Edmonton's got in their individuals. Let's find that out. Goaltending. Everyone's going to tell you Markstrom's better than Smith. So will I, but I just watched Mike Smith get a 29 save shutout in a game seven the other night. He didn't look too yep. bad to me. So let's see where that story goes, boys. I love the fact that Bullard thing has come up now twice today. Like, completely forgot about it. <laughs> Craig McTavish brought it up a couple of minutes earlier. Now you bring it up. These are all these stories. You you had a chance when you were writing that book to talk to a lot of those guys. Are there a couple of stories that, that just kind of stand out for you? Um, yeah, there always is. You know, the the time that Stu Grimson got the better of, uh, of Dave Brown. Yeah. And <laughs> Dave Brown basically spent 48 hours between those games in a catatonic state, not speaking – no one's speaking to him. And the thing that I learned that I thought was cool was he, he said, Grimson always ties me up. He grabs my jersey. So Barry Stafford, the Oilers trainer, they went in, they, they got Brownie in, and they got a jersey on, and they brought in Dwayne Mandrusiak from the Eskimos. Because Dwayne said, we got some tricks we use for offensive linemen, so the D linemen can't grab them and throw them around. Right. So they brought in Vaseline. They tightened up. Uh, they tightened up the sweater on Brownie's left hand. It was like his, his jersey was like saran wrap around his left arm, right? There's no grabbing, nothing. Yeah. And they covered him in Vaseline. They covered him in Vaseline so that you couldn't even grab on if you wanted. <laughs> and he went out and fought Grimson. And if you watch that fight, go to YouTube and watch it. You see Grimson grabbing for that left hand, and he can't get a hold of it. And before you know it, you know, it's <laughs> lights are out. Oh, so man. I didn't know that till I wrote the book. Uh, Dream Andrusiak, man, always, always a place in my heart for D Rock. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> How long did it take you to write the book, by the way? Which yeah, you can still get. You can still get it on Amazon, correct? Yeah, yeah. You know that book did great. Uh, that book sold fifteen thousand copies, which in Canada is a lot. Yeah. It's the first book I've ever done. I enjoyed the heck out of it. I wrote it in a, about seven years ago, in a, basically starting in January and finishing in September. 72,000 words of the finest, Brownlee. Uh, <laughs> I, hear, I hear you. You know what? There's There was, a for fun aside, there was a lot of good stuff in there. Because if you're somebody of the same vintage, and I'm a little bit older than you, you saw that stuff with your own eyes. And when yeah. you see it in the book and the backstory that you didn't know, that's yeah. the part, holy crap, I knew this, but I didn't know that. And it yeah. connects, it's like, it's like Harvey getting fired after. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Spec, when you look at this, uh, because people, people are going to ask you and everybody's going to do it between now and, the first face-off. Um, what do you see happening in this series? Is there is this a seven-game crash and bang right to the bitter end, or could this be a close five games? Uh, what do you see? Well, you know, it depends how we go here. Calgary's a bigger, tougher, stronger team. Yeah, it does not behoove Edmonton to try to play a big, heavy, physical series. They won't win that against that Calgary club. They're bigger and stronger and tougher. Um, 
You know, Edmonton, I, I'll tell you what, like I don't tick a lot of boxes on the order side of this thing, guys. You know, I don't tick the defensive, the, the goaltending box. Calgary gets the nod. I look at the Calgary's top six. I know Tanev's hurt right now. Yeah. Calgary's got a better six D-man unit. Yep. Edmonton does, in my opinion. Uh, are they deeper? You know, they got the they got that line with Coleman. Backlund's having a hell of a – just had a really good series. Uh, and that top line of theirs with Goodrow played great against Dallas. He didn't get a ton of production, but he did play very well. Lindholm's one of the best players in the game today. So Evan has got the star power. They don't, you know, McDavid's going to win some for you. They need their depth. Edmonton needs guys from below to, to pitch in here. This will not be a series where Connor and Leon go out and win four games for you. They might win two, but they, the Oilers are going to need some help here. They're going to need some guys coming out of character, some guys, uh, you know, let's just throw a name out like a Pulley I don't know how much ice time he's going to get, but there's a player who's been ineffective. If he gets effective, oh boy, will that help? Uh, yeah. you know, to me, that's what the Oilers need. The Oilers need, we all know what's coming from three or four guys. They need three or four more guys that are going to surprise us a bit. I got to ask and, and see if you see it different than I do, Spec. Um, I don't think the Oilers had have any chance if they don't have Evander Kane and Zach Hyman in that lineup. In other words, I like what they've both brought. There's a stubbornness in Hyman that I like. He just wants to be in the middle of the thing. He's not the best at anything, but he's always there to give it a shot. And I like the edge that Evander Kane brings because he's not a just a tough kid. He's a tough kid who... Look at the numbers he's put up. They didn't have that tough, good player until he got here. No, no, oh, no. Both of those guys, you know, I give Kenny Holland credit because not only did he go out and get two good players, but he brought two good players whose skills are, are, are skills that the Oilers didn't have. Yeah. Right? Hyman's so industrious. Like, he just works and works and works. He can hang onto the puck, hang onto the puck. He's a human, a single-man cycle himself. He doesn't need other guys to cycle the puck. Uh, Kane, you know, uh, the thing I like, I mean, Kane can pass, he can score, he can really skate and he's big and strong. He'll go through you. He'll go around you. He'll fight you. Uh, yeah, R Robin, you're right. Like who doesn't like the way Kane plays and Hyman? Uh, I would worry for Kane a little bit that, that, you know, he, he'll get pulled into this battle. Oh, yeah. over it's awful fast. Yep. Uh, I hope for the order's sake, he doesn't spend the whole thing in the penalty box. But uh, I'll tell you what, when things get snarly out there, I'll have Vander Kane on my team every day. Can the Oilers get it out of their own zone fast enough? Because you know Calgary's going to get in deep quick. Yeah, that's that's where you start to say that, right? Yeah. That's where you have to, you know, the one thing that the advantage Edmonton has over the other team is Mike Smith. Mike yeah. Smith turns what's usually about a half a second for your defenseman into a second and a half. Yeah. So if Smitty's playing the puck well, that means your your zone exits come a little easier and with a little less pain. So, you know, can they do it? I think they can do it. You know, there's defense, you know, much maligned. Uh, that might be the easiest 29-save shutout I've seen in a game seven in my life the other night. Mike Smith was good, but he didn't have to be great. The Oilers played a, you know, they, they put down a defensive clinic in that game seven against L.A., I thought. Spec, I asked Mac T this, and I want to I want to get it from you. 
you're around there all the time. I'm not. Uh, I can see the record. I can see the watch the games and see the post-game answers. But uh, Jay Woodcroft, what about him has uh, rang true in that dressing room with his players? The players are obviously bought into what he's pitching and the way he wants to play. Young coach doesn't always get that. What's he, what's he done to get that? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, young coach doesn't always get that. And he's coming on the heels of two older dogs in Tippett and McClellan, right? So, uh, you know, I, I would say this. I mean, I'm not breaking any stories when I tell you about the, everybody tells me how detailed he is and how, how he's relentless on the smallest things. He wants an answer. He wants to get them right. But, you know, that's – I would think a lot of coaches should be like that, but apparently he's better at it than most. But here's just one little anecdote that, that I haven't heard about a coach that really told me something. Mike Smith said, let's say a week ago, he said, you know – we have meetings and, you know, all teams have lots of meetings and all teams have lots of video. He says, when we're walking out of one of Jay's meetings, the guys are looking at each other and they're going, he's right. <laughs> right. There's no player going, ah, we shouldn't do it that way. Or ah, I should be here and he should be there. I don't like that alignment. I don't like that PK for format. He says, Mike Smith says, we're looking at each other. We're going, this guy's right. So really that, that's how you get a team to believe in you is you, you're, you, devise a system that can win. And if you look at the order stats, since he showed up, their yeah. goals against his way down, they've won a playoff round. They're scoring enough to win. They were a top five team in the national hockey league under Woodcroft. So, Hey, he is right. And it is working. That's why they believe in him. Before we let you go, your phone's ringing pretty much all day today. You're being asked to do various interviews all over the place. Are you? Yeah, a few. Yeah, I did a Vancouver already, and I got an L.A. coming up and a couple things. You know, what the hell? It's a fun time of year. I'm happy to do it. Are they as excited about this in Vancouver as they are in Calgary and Edmonton? But I know the I curiosity know. level's high. Sure. I mean, I think every hockey fan's looking to – you know, remember, you guys, the, the National Hockey League is one of the only playoff formats that kind of starts here in round one – and sort of goes like this as yeah. it goes along. It's not like the NFL where we build to Super Bowl, right? And and it becomes a local thing. When your team's out of it, it's spring. Oh, I got to get the, the grass done. Jeez, I better get the clubs out. Exactly. So uh, the fact that we're in the second round and everyone in Vancouver is looking at the schedule and going, oh, boy, I get him in Calgary every second night. I actually am engaged in this. I do care about that. This is good for people across Canada. People will get good ratings on Sportsnet for this thing. I know they're not the Leafs, but a Leafs fan will want to watch this series. Uh, so let's go. Like, let's, I can't wait for it, man. Wednesday night can't come fast enough for me. It's also the big TV crew. It'll be Chris Cuthbert uh, along with Craig Simpson. So the national, the number one national unit now moves in because of this series. Yeah, I believe they're bringing Steve Brunt in to write for me. I'll be staying home. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, before we go, once again, if you get a chance, uh, like I, I still have it on, I still have it on my laptop or in my iPad, the Battle of Alberta. Mark Spector wrote it. If you want to kind of take a look back before this thing gets going and starts creating new chapters, make sure you check it out. The forewords uh, is written by Theo Fleury. How tough was that? Tough to get Theo to write and say wonderful things uh, about the Battle yeah, of Alberta. It was before, it was before he kind of went right wing crazy, so he was a little easier <laughs> to deal with. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to get him on next week just to see, give his assessment on what's going on. And he's got yeah, some so. great tales, man. Oh, I he's know got he does. Man. First NHL game, I think he scored two goals on Grand Fuhrer. So pretty good. Uh, 
he tells a hell of a tale. Hey, uh, thanks for your time. We'll let you get rolling and enjoy the series. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, boys, have fun with it. Thanks, Rick. Well, we're slowly moving into the summer months, and like any good teammate, the realtors over at the Macintosh Group will assist you in selling your home. Now, here's the goal. To sell your home for the most amount of money in the least amount of time with little to no stress. Wayne Gretzky was no stranger to breaking and setting records. Well, the Edmonton single-family real estate market, breaking records to kick things off here in 2022, slows down a little bit as we get into the summer, but that's no big deal. But it does tell you one thing. It's so important to hire a professional with the skills to work in the ever-changing market that we're living in. Now, if you're looking for a Hall of Fame experience when selling your home, then give Brent or anybody at the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City a call at 780-464-0075, or you can find them online at mackintoshgroup.ca. Both buyers and sellers, give them a shout. They'll be able to tell you exactly how the market is going. And one last thing, when you give them a shout, make sure you tell them the outsider sent you. Wow, that uh, that was a great show, a lot of fun. A little Edmonton slanted, but that's where we're located. But let's talk about the series very quickly before we uh, we say goodbye for another week. Uh, who do you like in the series, Robin? Well, I am going to go uh, against what I think will be the favorite in most uh, uh, sets of predictions done around the league. I think the Oilers... Uh, can win this series in six games. Okay. I picked the Oilers to win in seven with Los Angeles. I thought L.A. was going to be a a much tougher opponent, and they ended up being that. Uh, Good on Todd McClellan and his guys. In this particular series, just kind of Craig McTavish and and Mark Spector both talked about the ticking off the boxes, and and for me, it's it's Calgary in six. Doesn't Hmm. mean that Edmonton can't win it. But some things are going to have to change. And isn't that part of the fun of the Stanley Cup playoffs is that there's always an upset or two. Maybe something goes one way as opposed to another, and it can change a series completely. But uh, who's to say? But right now, I, I, I like Calgary's net mining a little bit better. I defensively think they're much better in their own end than the Edmonton Oilers are. Up front, I think that the top two lines match up particularly well but i think as you get a little deeper into the lineup i think there's an edge to the calgary flames however that bottom six as i pointed out earlier that's to me if they can give the top two lines a little more space and a little more time and contribute a little bit offensively they can make this a hell of a series it might even go seven but right now i'm picking calgary in six i'm sure i'll get some hate mail over that but that's how i see it well here's why i see it like i do um the series was, was 2-2. I like Mike Smith now. Mike Smith is locked in. Look, when you look at his numbers from that first-round series, uh, he was went in fits and starts this year. Uh, you know, get injured, try and come back. Wasn't very good. Tweak himself yeah. uh, again. Uh, struggled at his age, as you would expect, and he took a lot of crap for it at times. He seems locked in now. Yes, can he get bumped? Can he get nicked up? Yeah, that could change things, but that that goes for everybody. Mike Smith, as he is now, not only gives the Oilers good enough goaltending, and that's what they've needed uh, to win and always haven't always had, 
it's better than good enough. He is very good right now. I think I think that that's closer, if not a dead right soft, uh, than some people see it. I think, and Mac T touched on this. If the Oilers are smart enough to to play more of a track meet game as opposed to a grinder game. It's the Battle of Alberta. We're going to see who's the most manly team. I think that plays into Calgary's strengths. If they do that, they're sunk in a hurry. I think think Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl make them smart enough to not do that. I think when it does leak into that area where it does get tough, and it will, playoff hockey always does, I like Hyman and I like Evander Kane. I don't think I would have liked their chances nearly enough if we were talking about only having Kyler Yamamoto or only having Jesse Pugliarvi, despite the strides he's made. These two make a difference to me. I, it, it, it's a feeling, and I know that makes for crappy analysis. Uh, it's a little bit like 06 for me, where I look at it and I go, when it was the Oilers Detroit and the yes. point spread and everybody. And then, you know, Bob said it 115 times. So I'll probably say it for the fourth or fifth time here. Him and I were the only guys in town. We picked the Oilers to beat the wings, not because they were the better team, but because something about the matchup, you just looked and went, hmm. they got it. They got a chance here. And I, I can see why people say, now nah, I look, there's more boxes checked for the flames. And you know what? If you're checking boxes, I think that's probably true. But if you're playing the game, I see something about this Oiler group, especially if Connor McDavid is anywhere near as inspired as he has been to make something happen. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's a wild card. You know what? It's an easy pick because if I'm wrong, well, most people thought it would be Calgary. But I honestly do see something there, Bren. Uh to put my finger on, it's a different thing, uh, but I I think the Oilers are going to beat these guys. Okay. Uh, Wayne Gretzky said a series doesn't begin until somebody loses a home game. I don't think he's incorrect by saying that because he is the great one. However, I'm a big believer in the odd number games being critical, and I think that the most critical game here is going to be game one. If the Oilers want to make this a series, they've got to find a way to split one of those two games in Calgary to kick things off. I don't even think this is going to be a homer series, quite frankly. Because I think Calgary can easily win here, and I think the Oilers can easily win in Calgary. So, But I really believe it goes back to Ryan Smith and I having a conversation because they've been meeting the Dallas Stars in Colorado always in the first round. And Smitty said, look, every time we've played in one of these series, we've had to go into their barn first. So the key is we can find a way to just eke out a victory in either the first game or the second game. You're going home. And as much as there's a ton of pressure on you in that odd number third game at home, at least yep. you know you got a little bit of house money to play with. So I'm watching game one really careful to see whether or not the Oilers can find a way to make it a little more interesting. It's going to be fun. Okay, quickly, you don't have to tell me how many games. Colorado, St. Louis, who do you like there? I don't think either Colorado. of us picked St. Louis to be the Wild. No, Colorado all day. Yeah, I uh, I think right now uh, Daryl Sutter was correct when he talked about the fact that it'd be a waste of eight eight days or whatever it was uh, because Colorado look they they really look like the team that's going to win it all right now for me. Okay, so that's the West. We have now Florida. Uh, help me here. We've got Florida taking on. I've gone blank. Uh, Florida is playing. Uh, I've gone well, completely me, blank. Robin, 
Let me look. Let me look. I don't. I, Hang on a I, second. Okay, so we have the Rangers. Who have, is it Rangers? Oh, Tampa. Okay, Tampa. Yeah, that's right. We've got the Battle of Florida. Duh. Yes. I've been so wound up about the Battle of Alberta, I forgot about Florida. And we have the Florida, Rangers. Florida, yeah, Florida and Florida. Okay, <laughs> before we talk about the Rangers series against Carolina, then, who do you like in that Florida matchup? I, You know what? I go. I, I like the Lightning because they're the team – they're the team I know. I know Florida's been very, as in the Panthers, have been really impressive. Yeah. Uh, I just think there's might be another championship run left in that Lightning lineup. And I think the time has come. I think it's time for Florida to step it up. Every time I think, oh, they're in trouble tonight, they just find ways. They find ways to crank it up in the third period. Okay, and then the other one, the Rangers take it on Carolina. Carolina. They, they are just so deep and so talented. I'm going to go with Carolina over the Rangers. I can't disagree with you. It's, uh, there's no uh, – I, I can't look at it and see a way that the Rangers uh, win that. And, you know, Carolina just finds a way. I mean, I tell you what, they don't get – I don't think that I don't think the Hurricanes get as much respect as they deserve from some people. It's like Carolina, and of course, around here, there's an aversion to Carolina to begin with. Just on uh, one series only, nobody knows yeah. about Carolina. Just yeah. it, they just remember 2006. So there's an immediate hatred there. And I'm with you. I think Carolina does. They're the Rodney Dangerfield of the National yeah. Hockey League. They Somebody might sure. have to Google that, and you're more than welcome to Google Rodney Dangerfield was the oh, name. Good, Bryn. We're we're a hundred years old. I know Mike. we are. We get no respect, no respect at all. <laughs> uh, you know what you can do? You can check us out on Twitter. The handle is simple. It's at Outsiders Twenty Twenty. Love to hear from you. Also, make sure you tell your friends to subscribe or follow us. Our RSS feed will uh, pop up magically on any of your favorite ear candy sites like Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Casts, etc., etc. Also, we have an audio version on YouTube. Robin records from the uh, Lucky Sam studio in southwest Edmonton while I record downtown Edmonton, not far away from Roger's Place, where all the activity is these days in the Road 55 studio. Robin, enjoy the week, will you? Oh, it's going to be a lot of fun, isn't it? Yeah, bring it on. Let's get to it. <laughs> Storm in the castle. Road 55.